another for the whole law is fulfilled in this one word that we're focusing on to love our neighbor as ourselves to live outwardly in such a way that we bring justice and fairness to the world because we don't just say we love people and put it on our Facebook page but we actually roll up our sleeves and do something see service is love and action you don't have to look very far to see the injustice and need in the world around you But what can you do about it? In today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that service is love in action. He explains that God wants his followers to truly love others by serving them to live outwardly. When you make the choice to step from lip service to real service, God will use you to make a difference in the world in big and small ways. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in John chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Need for Justice. How do we live in a just world? How do we do it? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. It's a powerful statement. When we allow injustice to continue, that actually threatens justice everywhere. And it does. And you have to realize, if you do a Bible search on the word justice, it is everywhere in your Bible. The same root word is justice and righteousness. See, justice is the principle of what is right, and righteous is the acting out of the principle of what is right. You have things like Micah chapter 6, Verse 8, what does God require of you? That you do justly and you love mercy and you walk humbly with your God. Things about God's justice coming in like the morning tide. God as a just God. So one thing that the world needs, let me ask you this. We'll do it this way. How many of you feel that there are things in the world today that are unfair Everybody in this room pretty much feels like there's some area of injustice. Like, how many of us on Thanksgiving Day, we watched a bunch of guys get all dressed up and tackle the snot out of each other. The quarterbacks get paid $20 million a year, and the people who teach your kids get $30,000 to start educating your kids. Is that right? I don't know. See, I don't know the answers to the questions. I just know we have to ask the questions. Or how about our favorite folks in politics? They rack up debts that our kids, kids, kids can't pay off, and yet they get guaranteed pensions and health insurance for life. Is that right? But we got to ask the questions. See, our job as the people of God is to ask the questions. What does a just world look like? What does a fair world look like? Now, listen, this is important. I didn't come here today to talk to you about politics. I mean, think about the word, polytics. Poly is many, and ticks are blood-sucking organisms. So you do the math. 
That was a good one, right? That isn't really what politics means, just so you know. Actually, the word polis is the Greek word for city. And so politics is the ruling of the city. But it is a good joke, isn't it? You can use it with your friends, unless they're politicians, and then you just pray for them. But I didn't really want to talk to you about politics or politicians. I want to talk to you about Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Because we are so busy looking at governments and people to bring justice that we forget that Jesus said on the cross, what? It's finished. Jesus is the ultimate justice seeker and bringer. And we can look to the ends of time at human governments. But the only way we will truly see justice in the world is when we get our eyes off the government and we put our eyes on Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus actually teaches us how to be a part of the world being fair, being just, being right. How? Listen, we need to satisfy the world's need for justice with service, servanthood. The Bible teaches that justice happens when people serve one another. I'm not talking about service as like I do a little token service or like some sort of spiritual discipline. This is an entire way of orienting our lives. If you don't like the way the world works, I'm here to tell you, filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to change it. Don't complain about it. You and I have the power to change it, and the way that we change an unjust, unfair world into a just and fair place is through service. How do I know? Open up in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 13. John, chapter 13. Open up your Bibles. You need to see this. If you have a smartphone, just type in John, chapter 13. John 13. It's the fourth gospel in what we call the New Testament, that last third of your Bible, which tells about Jesus. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's the fourth gospel, chapter 13. This chapter, if you're new to the Bible, you've heard about this, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Richard Foster, the author, said Jesus took a towel and a basin of water, and he redefined greatness. And he gets this right out of this chapter, that with a towel and a basin of water, Jesus redefined greatness because we see Jesus as a quintessential servant. Look at what it says. I'm going to read you the whole section. John 13, verses 1 to 17, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to his father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And suffer being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, 
You have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he was bathed, need only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's a powerful section of scripture, isn't it? Now, you notice in the beginning, before the apostle John begins to tell the story, we get this little preamble. It was before the feast of the Passover. Jesus knew in verse one that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. It says he loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, arose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. And then he put water in a basin. You see what's going on here. See, All through the Gospels, it wasn't Jesus' time. His time had not yet come. He was doing the work of ministry, but that special appointed hour for him to give up his life for the sins of the world, it was upon him. And notice, Jesus had a settled trust in God. He knew that God was in control. He knew that he had come from God and that he was going to God. He knew that God had everything in his hands. And he also knew that Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, devil had already put it in his heart to betray Jesus. This is Jesus' last meal with his disciples. But notice it says, he loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And then it says, then he took up this towel and this water basin, and he washed their feet. Why? Because service is love in action. See, service is love with legs on it, in action. See, you can imagine if it was your last meal, imagine like the angel Gabriel showed up to you before Thanksgiving and said, listen, this is the last meal you're ever going to have. You're going to eat that third piece of carrot cake, you're going to just get wiped out right then. It's going to come out your nose. If you know the Bible, the graves of lust, right? in the book of Numbers. For those of you who don't know, write it down. Google it later. You'll know how deep we are here. Imagine if it was your last meal. What would you do in your last meal? You definitely wouldn't be like, hey, it's my last meal. I'm going to do the dishes. Right? If it's the very last meal you're ever going to get, you're going to be like, okay, my last meal. Okay. I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I am not doing the dishes. Right? But Jesus' last meal... He loves his own to the end. He realizes that nobody went around and washed the people's feet. And so Jesus volunteered for the job. Why? Because he loved his disciples. 
not just with an idea, hey, love you, bro. But he really loved them. He loved them so much that Jesus served his disciples. See, what we don't realize is that we don't have people who wash people's feet in our home. And the reason we don't is, praise God for the most part, people wear shoes, you know? But back in the day, people wore their Birkenstocks, their Tevas, their, you know, they didn't have closed toe shoes and they lived in an arid climate. So how many of you ever gone hiking in flip-flops before? What do you end up? You end up with like the dirt sock, right? Because you're trudging on the trails and it's arid and it's dusty and there's nothing to protect you. Now, in that culture, if a house had servants, the lowest servant on the totem pole would be the foot washer. It was the most stank, nasty job that someone could come up with. So much so that if a house had both Jewish and Gentile servants, the Gentile always ended up having to do that job. It was for the least person on the totem pole. And you can imagine why. Because that's a nasty job, right? If you think that being the foot washer is not a nasty job, I'm going to tell you a story. So I love my grandfather. My grandfather, I mean, he's 92 years old. And he was like a second dad. He was my baseball coach. Grew up with him. So grateful for my grandpa. But I'll never forget it. About 10 years ago, my grandpa and my grandma were over my house. And my grandma looked at me and she said... Hey, Danny, and now you know when your grandma asks you to do something, you'll do anything. She's like, Danny, can you help grandpa with his toenails? I didn't even think about it. I'm like, sure, grandma, it's grandpa. But I should have known that there was a problem. Because then she said, I normally take him to the doctor. So I knew that there was a problem, right? And so sure enough, I walk over to the couch, and there's my grandpa, and he's got his shoes off, right? Now, you got to give the guy credit after, he's a World War II vet, after 90 years sticking your feet into shoes, you got to realize that those, like his big toenail was like perpendicular. And it was big. Like I thought I needed a circular saw. You know, and so sure enough, and he's like, I'm like, Grandpa, your feet are nasty. And he said, my feet are old. You know, it's like, okay, like, what am I, <laughs> what am I going to say, right? And so sure enough, I go down there, and I got all the tools in the house. Like, I got, like, the big, like, the serrated meat cutter, because I'm like, man, this is going to be bad. Like, you couldn't just bring a little cuticle knife or something. This thing is, like, big, honking toenail. And I'm like, I'm, like, going to work. I can just imagine the video of it. You'd be seeing, like, smoke and toenail flying. And I'm like, crap, is it hurt? He's like, I don't feel anything. And it was work, man. It was gross. Right? So every time I think about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I think about my grandpa's perpendicular toenail. And you got to realize, this was long before, like, antifungal cream. I mean, these guys were fishermen. They weren't dudes going to get a mani-pedi because they're those kind of guys. Like, it was nasty. It was a nasty job. And Jesus volunteered for it. Why? Because he loved them. And you know what? I would love to say that I just love my grandpa. And so I love doing his toenail. Man, I'm scarred from that stuff. I told Lynn, I'm like, if my toenails ever look like that, you can just cut my feet straight off. I ain't going to the doctor to get my toenails cut. And I listen, I love my grandpa, but, you know, I didn't love that job. I wish I did. I wish my heart was so much like Jesus. Like, I love my grandpa. He's my grandpa. one of the coolest guys I ever met. A role model for my life. But I was just like, this is gross. 
And every time I think about Jesus washing Peter's and Andrew's and Matthew's, Matthew probably got a pedicure because he was a tax collector. All the rest of the guys are nasty, you know, nasty feet. But Jesus did it. He simply stepped up. It was unprecedented for a master, a leader, the person presiding over the meal to do this. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.13. Frames it so perfectly for us. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's powerful, isn't it? See, the reason we don't serve today is because we'd rather use our freedom not as an opportunity to serve, but as an opportunity for the flesh. We'd rather not serve. We'd rather serve ourselves. That's my right. But he says, through love, serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in this one word that we're focusing on to love our neighbor as ourselves, to live outwardly in such a way that we bring justice and fairness to the world because we don't just say we love people and put it on our Facebook page, but we actually roll up our sleeves and do something. See, service is love and action. And so Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. Now, look at what happens in verse 6. And when he came to Simon Peter... And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you don't understand now. But you will after this, verse 8. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. I love Simon Peter. I think that if I was the only person in God's heart when he created all this and when he created the apostles and chose them, and I know that I wasn't, but if I was, I think he chose Simon Peter just for me. You know why? Because Simon Peter is a classic train wreck. It's like he has these great moments, and then he has these, like, he just gets out ahead of himself. Like, I always say that Peter's got foot and mouth disease. You know, like, he puts his foot in his mouth, and then he takes it out for a second, and he puts the other one in. He's impetuous and passionate. Like, remember when they see Jesus after the resurrection, and Jesus is on the seashore? What does Peter do? He jumps in the water, swims him. The boat gets there before him anyway, but Peter's soaking wet. Like, and I feel like that in my life. I'm that guy. Like, where it's like, I'm just like, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I'm such a train wreck, Lord. And so I say that because I think some of you feel the same way. God chose Peter. He knew Peter was going to be a royal train wreck. Peter gets it right and he gets it wrong. And here's a great example. Peter gets it right. Jesus shows up at Peter. Everybody lets Jesus wash his feet except for Peter. And Peter's like, are you going to wash my feet, Lord? See, Peter realizes that what Jesus is doing is not normal. Jesus is the Lord. He's the teacher. He's presiding over the meal. The person who's running the show should not be the least foot washer. So he's like, 
Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus is like, listen, what I'm doing now, you don't understand, but you'll get it later. And he's like, Lord, you are never going to wash my feet. He's just like, Lord, this is completely out of order with the way this is supposed to go. You, my Lord and Savior, do not wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Wow. See, Jesus isn't talking about the foot washing. He's talking about him washing Peter and the apostles and all who would believe through the finished work of the cross. Brothers and sisters, listen. You need to let Jesus serve you. Let Jesus serve you. And Jesus serves you by washing you of your sins. Now listen, every single person realizes that through the course of life, in the details and the things that go on, we get dirty, we get soiled. And every religion and every idea in your life says, how do I get cleansed from all of this dirt that I've taken on? Sometimes it's our own decisions and it's other people's decisions. And we have baggage from the past and our parents and my last boss and my uncle Sammy and this guy and that person and this thing. And everything in life, you start to feel over time, man, I picked up all this baggage, right? And then at some point, everybody says... I need to get clean. I need to get cleansed. And then religion starts. All these different ways. How do I get cleansed? How do I come to terms with who I am and what I am and how I got here and how people treated me? Some of you are like, well, no, no, I don't do that. But you just self-medicate. Just drink, smoke weed, numb out with entertainment, trying to figure out how not to deal with who you are when all that stuff shuts off and you're you. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is God's way of making you clean. And you can try everything else. And I say that because I tried it. I'm like, well, what does Buddha say about getting clean? Okay, so I got to sit down. I got to think about nothing. And if I think about nothing long enough, it's all going to make sense. (laughs) Listen, I went to free vegetarian meals with Hare Krishnas. Like, if you were to follow Muhammad, then you can't. Eat any meat, you got to make sure you go to one specific place in the middle of Saudi Arabia, and that's how you get cleansed. Like, you go through the list, right? Or if you're a young person today, you just write Facebook posts with all your angst about how angry the world is, and that's your cleansing. That's what the younger, my generation does. We just get angry on social media, and we Snapchat ourselves, and that's it. And that's the way to salvation. You know what it's like? Every time you try and make yourself clean with something other than Jesus, you're still just dirty, but you're covering it up. I got a great story about this. My son Obadiah, I love him. He's a total dude. He's so fun. Obadiah is so fun. So Obadiah, those of you who raise boys, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who haven't, you need to know this. So little boys, when they take a shower, they don't use any soap right? It's like if the water just runs over you, you're clean, right? Every parent of boy, you know that's true, right? Jesus is We're coming to the end of our time with you today, but we're so glad you tuned in for Jesus is Real Radio. I want to take a moment to tell you about a great new book that Pastor Daniel has written, and it's being released February 16th. It's called Crazy Happy, 
Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. I'll tell you how you can pre-order in just a moment, but let's have Pastor Daniel share what you'll find in this new book. Thanks, Josh. Have you ever wondered if God wants you to be happy? I get asked that all the time, and the answer is yes, He does want you to be happy. He loves for us to be satisfied and full of joy. But the question is, how do we find that happiness in today's crazy world? That's why I wrote Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. It's packed full of stories and insights into how God has designed you and me for happiness. I know you're going to love it. Here's Josh to tell you more. What an exciting book. You can pre-order it right now, too. And you'll find some special offers only for people who pre-order now. Just go to danielfusco.com and scroll through the list of retailers to find the one you want to order from. He'll be releasing it on Kindle and audiobook form as well. Check out the info about how to claim that at danielfusco.com. Again, that's danielfusco.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Art of Living. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 